Rob Hodginson is one of the founders of cycling company Pedal Taiwan. Originally from the UK, he's been organizing and leading bicycle tours across Taiwan for seven years. An avid cyclist, Rob first came to the island in 2016 and never left. Welcome to the Journey Podcast, where I, Cy Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in the travel industry. Season 5 is brought to you in partnership with the Taiwan Tourism Administration. Interestingly, running cycling trips in Taiwan, it's usually the first question that I, that I have to answer sure. is, well, you know, why are you, why from the UK? <laughs> um, I, I mean, you know, I, I guess like every, every kid, I, I always had bikes around as a kid and used to like sort of uh, pottering off on, on the bike. But if I'm, if I'm really honest, I'm not one of these people that sort of had this undying love for cycling um, in my teenage years, early 20s. Um, it all sounded a little bit like hard work, to be honest, sitting on a <laughs> sitting on an uncomfortable saddle for hours and hours and hours. Um, <laughs> but in my in my early 20s, what I did find, um, I, I started really getting into traveling, um, you know, travel different parts of the world were my passion and kind of through trial and error and a few different trips. I found that the absolute 100% best way to explore a new country is on a bicycle. Brilliant. There is no better way, in my opinion, to see a new place and to really get into the nitty gritty of, of what a, a new country is like than on a bicycle. Because, you know, when you're traveling around, if, you, if you're, you know, on trains or coaches or whatever it is, going from tourist spot to tourist spot, all you're really seeing is you're seeing one image sure. of, of that place. And actually when you get on a bicycle and it takes you a whole day to do a hundred kilometers between these places, you're seeing everything in between, right? You're, you're having interactions with um, places that people don't normally go to yeah. or, or local people that, you know, are not used to seeing tourists coming through their, their town or their village. And it just, it, it opens up a completely new way of seeing the world um so so interestingly i think most people um when they get into bike touring um probably come at it with a passion for cycling and then yeah. they kind of it develops into a way to do some travel i actually came at it from a completely different from a completely different angle which was it was a passion for travel that led me to cycling as a way to kind of facilitate that and do it in a slightly different way. Fantastic. Let, um, let's talk a little bit about those kind of those early travel experiences. 2016, you first came to Taiwan, but before that, you said you traveled quite a lot. Maybe you could give us a quick flavor. I had done, I'd ridden Milan to Athens, which wow. was a really, really great ride. I did a, a, a trip through Europe, um, actually in 2017, after I'd been to Taiwan. I, bet I did 22 countries through Europe, effectively a loop through Germany, down to Croatia, up through the, um, the old um, Soviet states into the Baltics, took a ferry across to um, Stockholm and then back down through Scandinavia, Denmark, back to London. Um, that was exceptional. But Taiwan was, was kind of always on the horizon. So I knew about um, 
for for the reason that a lot of you know a lot of the guys that come on our trips now um taiwan is on their radar because of the taiwan kom route so this is the road from hualien up to heihuanshan um which is the longest road climb in the world um so i'd seen i'd seen this route back in 2015 something like that and thought i was getting fitter i mean the first time i tried that route i learned that i was not fit enough absolutely not fit enough um but was sort of getting into the cycling and thought i was getting fitter and and saw this this route you know the longest road climb in the world 87k climb um no thank you i think that's a bit beyond me uh, and um i thought right well i've got to i've got to go and try that so so taiwan was on the list for that reason um i i was landing straight from india well right um so i i i'd been trying to do a bit of touring in india um and i'd i'd had a a very very ambitious plan to do um four months something like that in india um and and go and see a lot of the country and i lasted all of 3 weeks <laughs> before i couldn't say i just couldn't take it anymore i was i i caught some stomach bug in the first oh, week and was just never never right again the bike kept breaking so after three weeks, I thought, you know what, I need, I need a slightly different experience here. Um, so I'd, I'd had Taiwan in the back of my mind, and I thought, right, I'll, I'll fly out to, to Taipei and, and see what happens there. So my overwhelming memory of, of Taipei initially um, was actually the contrast to India, right? The, these, these things that maybe, I think for people who haven't done a lot of traveling in, in Asia, um they maybe have concepts of of what asia is like and actually taiwan i think goes against quite a few of those concepts so you know um everything was really clean um all the street food you know from talking to to people that i met along the way street food it's all really safe it's very hygienic um the people are incredibly friendly i mean i think that was one of the first things those first few days cycling around taiwan um, I was really struck by just how friendly and kind um, the local people were. Wow. And I know that, and I know everybody kind of says that about everywhere <laughs> yes, that they go. Yes, um, you know, you, you always hear this when people go, go abroad. Um, but it is, it is genuinely overwhelmingly true in Taiwan. People were so excited. You, once, particularly once you get outside of Taipei, I mean, people were just so excited to see somebody on their bike sure. who was obviously a foreigner wandering around and there's very there was very very little english spoken so there was a lot of um you know if you needed food i basically had to eat what somebody else was eating in the restaurant because yeah. i needed to wander over and, and just point, point at it there yeah, and yeah. Go, yeah go on i'll have that one that yeah. looks good <laughs> um but yeah i think the the friendliness but also you know i was struck by just how how easy it was right Every, everything worked the, the the trains worked the roads were in good condition um things ran on time nobody pestered you when you were wandering around the night markets whatever it was um i guess you know that's that's the contrast to to india that i i can really remember presumably you got on your bike you've come to taiwan to do some to do some more cycling you know what kind of trips early kind of memories do you have of your first uh, cycling experiences around taiwan mm-hmm. So the, the cycling is interesting. I mean, and this is where the, the idea for Pedal Taiwan kind of, kind of started. So my original plan, because I knew that um, 
I didn't I didn't speak a word of Mandarin. I mean, truth be told, my Mandarin is still really poor. <laughs> so um, I won't be testing you, don't worry. <laughs> but um obviously didn't speak a speak a word of Mandarin when I arrived. Um and I was aware that there's not a lot of English spoken um in, in Taiwan as you go about. Um and I thought about whether I should join some sort of trip. So, so I, I thought, well, actually, maybe, you know, it'd be good to um, join a tour where there's a local guide who can, um, you know, can show me the best routes and mm -hmm. tell me a bit more about the country and help me with trying all the different food. I mean, I knew even before I went to Taiwan that the food was a huge part of the attraction of, of traveling and visiting mm -hmm. there. It wasn't until I went there that I realized just how phenomenal the food is. I knew that I wanted to try and experience as much of the country as I could. And so I thought, you know, joining a trip would be would be a good way to do that. Um, and actually, when I looked in 2016, there was just there was nothing. There were no English language bicycle trips. Um, so in the back of my mind, I kind of I, you know, I had this small worry like, oh, well, you know, maybe I've got this all wrong. Maybe it's not mm -hmm. a great place for site. Like if nobody's doing this, maybe maybe this isn't really set up for cyclists or maybe you know there's something i'm missing the roads sure. are really busy yeah, or the infrastructure's poor whatever it is um so i was i was a little bit nervous those first few days riding and I, honestly from the moment i left taipei on the bike and started riding south i just i think i think within two days i decided that i was gonna leave london and move to taiwan and wow. set, set up the bicycle tour company as I you did, did. I, that's amazing I, yeah well it was the fact that nobody was doing it and those first two days of riding that i did were the best two days of riding that i'd done anywhere fantastic fantastic it was absolutely mind-blowing the the roads are in fantastic condition the scenery and the views were phenomenal you know i was getting um food from little um little vendors along the road every 20 kilometers it was some of the best food i've ever tried the weather was great um and so what I kind of intended to be seven, eight days on the bike um, ended up turning into three weeks. I moved the flights twice because I was like, oh, I just I need another week. Keep riding some <laughs> of these roads in the mountains and that. Um, and then from Taiwan, I think I, I moved back to London for two or three weeks, gave up the lease on the flat, moved my stuff over and and just flew out, built built a website and thought, right, well, Let's see if we can let's see if we can get some other people to come out and experience this riding. Wonderful. Because it was it was, you know, uh, people people really overuse this phrase, but it was a life changing experience. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the actual what you're seeing, what you're the sights and sounds of in uh, of pedaling. It's a tropical island. Um, sure. So the, sure. the tropical cancer runs basically straight through the middle of the island. So in theory, the north is temperate and the, and the south of the island is tropical. Mm -hmm. um, but it's um, it's very jungly yeah. um, and it is very mountainous. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not it's not a huge island, but it is effectively there. It is a mountain that comes out of the Pacific Ocean going straight up. And it does that for about 4000 meters of elevation until it hits the middle of the island. And then it goes straight back down the <laughs> other side. Um, it is it's very, very mountainous. So it's it's the 13th most densely populated country in the world wow. i think Interesting. but 95 percent of it is you can't build on it 
because it's because it's so mountainous. So, right? mountainous. so what you have is you have this really really interesting contrast of very very dense cities. Um, uh, if you sort of you know if you think of images of of Tokyo or anything like that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's that kind of density of city, but with these tentacles of mountains often moving into the city where you just can't build anything. So, you know, when I, when I was living in the center of Taipei, it was this really weird situation where you were in this incredibly um, dense urban environment. And within 15, 20 minutes, I could get on my bike and be in the mountains. Fantastic. And you'd have no idea that you were anywhere near a city. Amazing. Um, which was, which, you know, is, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, it is very green, like you say, but then, you know, the mountains are, the mountains are big. So they've got more than a hundred mountains that are over 3000 meters in elevation. So those are, th that's really, really big. I mean, they've got a, they've got a couple of mountains that are over 4,000 meters. Um, so along the coast, you know, if you, what you would think of in your mind, if I said sort of Pacific coastline, is kind of what you would expect mm -hmm, on the mm -hmm. on the Pacific coast, right? It's 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 tropical. If you go hiking into the foothills, you find wild bananas and all this sort of stuff. Amazing. Um, but once you start climbing into the mountains, you, there's sort of three different layers. So you move from jungle into um, a band of um, vegetation that's known as the cloud forest. So this is generally where the cloud level will sit on the mountains. And you get, it looks, I think the closest thing I can compare it to, if, if, if people have ever been to um, the forests of Canada, or mm -hmm. even, you know, maybe somewhere a little bit like the Black Forest in Germany or the sure, Bavarian yeah. forests, um, it's, it's that kind of vegetation. Um, you have a lot of, um, there's a special type of mushroom that grows in this area called woodier mushroom, and they're mushrooms that effectively grow on the sides of trees. Um, they they love the the dampness of the of the climate in that because the clouds that's there of course um, and then you climb above that again and it and it's almost completely different again and it's then very alpine right yep. it's very sparse there's no trees um, they get a very little bit of snow up there sometimes um, in the winter um, but it's it makes climbing in the mountains it, it it's just so interesting right because you do I mean particularly this this KOM ride you start at sea level in Hualien and you're in jungle and you climb for five hours and you're in the cloud forest climb for another few hours and you know you could be you could be in the Alps Amazing. um it's it's it is a very very varied country in that sense let's get into a few more specifics about you know obviously now now folks it's 2016 Rob's realized that pedal Taiwan is an opportunity a business opportunity and as he said he's he's flown out there He's uh, up sticks from Britain, essentially, and you're now setting up Pedal Taiwan. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about kind of some of those early destinations that you used to serve or, or kind of tours and routes that you that you used to do and, and moving into the tours that you offer nowadays. The routes that we did on those first few trips haven't changed that much um, compared to the routes that we do now. There, there are relatively clear areas that are great cycling in Taiwan, mm -hmm. um, the East Coast tends to be um, much, much better than the West Coast. So the West Coast is fairly industrial, it's fairly right, urban. Right. The East Coast is very, very rural, um, very quiet roads, um, beautiful routes um, up into the mountains and, and along that Pacific coast. 
Um, but there has been a huge change in the trips compared to those first times. And it's not the routes, it's the people. Interesting. The, uh, the downside to, to my master plan is that I'm not Taiwanese and I didn't really know that much about Taiwan. Interesting. Um, sure. So what has really changed within that first year, um, I started working with a few um, local cyclists, um, just the most fabulous people you'll ever meet incredibly knowledgeable very very experienced um both in cycling routes in taiwan and, and working in tourism um who have taken what were some fairly shambolic early trips <laughs> if i'm being honest you know i think he's being modest folks it, it's just you know you've got an idea you go for it that if people want to do it too that's a business right there's nothing wrong with that yeah, I think that's it's the 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 first trips were a lot of fun, but there was there was far too much making it up on the fly for, <laughs> for anybody to call them professional. Um, and and what we've done is we've we've you know we work now with a few local guides um, who have taken the trips from something that was just facilitating me cycling around Taiwan to a product that we're we're really genuinely very proud of um, and we know that that everybody really really enjoys um they add so much knowledge and expertise to what we're doing um and really let people understand the country and and, and see the best of the country which is which is all we ever wanted right um, that the whole point of the business was this place is the best place on earth for cycling um and nobody's coming here to cycle so we need to change that well, I mean, you're selling it to me, Rob, to be honest. I'm, I'm keen. Um, let's say I've got somewhere between seven and 14 days and I want to go and do a trip with yourselves. What kind of destinations or what kind of routes would you suggest to get like a really great early feel for Taiwan and the Taiwanese people? One of the things that makes planning cycling trips around a country more difficult than just um you know normal tourist trips mm -hmm. is of course there's a there's a fitness element that comes Def, into yes it, good right? point good point as as i've mentioned taiwan is not a flat country <laughs> um, from it here so the first the first question we always have to approach is you know how 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 regularly do you ride how far do you normally ride um what sort of distances do you want to be doing um and that really goes a long way to informing what we would recommend um there are fabulous things to see all over the island. Um, but if you um, have to go to sleep every time you get into the hotel because you're so blown, so knackered, yeah. you can't go and, go and see anything. Then it's, <laughs> it's not normally a super fun trip. Yeah. As, a general, as a general rule of thumb, we, we kind of have two areas that we direct people into. Um, for easier riding, there's an area um, on the southeast coast that's known as the Rift Valley. And this is really interesting. This is, um, I can't remember how many tens of thousands of years ago, but at some point um, in the past, the, the tectonic plate that is now in the um, Pacific Ocean used to run through Taiwan. I mean, Taiwan is a volcanic island, so mm -hmm. the island was formed at some point through um, tectonic plate movement. And at some point in the island's history, the tectonic plates just pulled apart in the middle of the mountain range um which create this flat valley that is flanked on either side by a mountain range mm -hmm. so effectively what you had is had one mountain range tectonic plates pull apart and create this flat flat plateau in the middle of these these two mountain ranges and it's 
It's stunning. I mean, it's it's kind of what I think a lot of people would expect from um, rural Taiwan. It's it's very lush. It's very verdant. Um, mm -hmm. It's mainly sort of paddy fields, rice farming areas. Um, there's some fabulous hiking. There's some beautiful little roads that sort of trickle into the foothills of the mountains. Beautiful, if you want beautiful. a little bit of climbing, um, get some views over the valley, but but not too not too much elevation in the day. So generally, for the for the um, slightly easier riding trips, we'll we'll base them around the Rift Valley. You can do a loop, so you can you can ride up through the Rift Valley um, to a city called Hualien, and from Hualien you can come back down um, along the coastal road from the Eastern Mountain Range, which again is obviously then then flat and basically follow the Pacific Coast back down to the base of the Rift Valley. Um, so that can be a beautiful, you know, that can be anything from three to seven days um, in terms of a ride, depending on how far you're going. Um, just, for the, just for the benefit of people listening, Hualien, we're spelling that H-U-A-L-I-E-N, right? Yeah, that's right. That's Fantastic. right. So the Rift Valley sits, the Rift Valley sits in between Hualien in the north and Taidong in Great. the south. For people who are there to ride and want mm -hmm. to get the miles in and want to get the climbs in, um, the mountains are unbeatable. Sure, the mountains okay. really are unbeatable, um, and there are some there are some fabulous routes um, through the mountains. There's obviously the KOM route, which is um, very famous as the longest road climb in the world. There is another route up through um, through a valley from Elan County um, that also finishes at the same point as the KOM route, um, which is is absolutely spectacular normally if we ride up the KOM we'll come down that valley um, and it's a it's a really strange topography so you you come down through the mountains probably descending about a thousand meters and then you follow um, a river and it feels like you've effectively reached the bottom of the mountain you follow this river and it feels like you're descending a little bit but it's flattened out but actually, if you stop and look closely at the river, we'll normally do it about a kilometer before we get to the uh, to the drop off point. If you stop and look at the river, the river is running the wrong way. So you think you're following the river <laughs> downstream, but you're actually following the river upstream. So you'll stop and look at the river and you'll suddenly realize that river's going the wrong direction. <laughs> and you go a kilometer further and the valley just drops away Amazing. in front of you you suddenly you can see you can basically on a on a very very clear day you can see to the coast which is about 75 kilometers away Incredible. from the top of where this valley drops away and you've just got the most phenomenal descent laid out in front of you a sort of 45k descent that you can you can fly down um incredible so that's absolutely fantastic and then another place in the mountains that is is more of a kind of a tourist spot that a lot of people like to go and visit is Sun Moon Lake. Um, so Sun Moon Lake is on the western side of the central mountain range um, and is a is 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 a big lake. It's about 30 kilometers. If you, there's a road that runs around the outside of the lake, and it's about 30 kilometers around the lake. Um, but it's it's at about 2,000 meters of elevation, so it's generally cooler there um, than it is down at sea level, um, particularly in the summer. Um, and it's very very pop it's a very popular um, tourist destination spot. You know, you can take boats out onto the lake. Um, there are swimming areas. There's there's a lot of very good hiking around there as well. Fantastic. Um, and then finally, in the south, um, in the south of Taiwan, is an area known as Tending National Park. 
Um, and that has, again, that has some of the best cycling routes that you can get anywhere in the world. Very, very quiet roads running along the Pacific coastline that sort of wiggle inland to give you a few, a few climbs and then drop back down to the coast. Um, you know, beautiful beaches. It's, it's, it's difficult to, it's difficult to pick one, basically. Um, <laughs> I can tell, as, I can tell. As, yeah, as the last 10 minutes of me babbling on, I'm, I'm sure is testament. Not at all. It's, it's fascinating. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Rob. That's absolutely kind of wet the whistle, no end. Um, you touched a, a little bit on food earlier as well. We, we mentioned the, the wood ear mushroom. Uh, and it's a, you know, it's a well-known fact that, you know, your second love after cycling is food and, and particularly Taiwanese food. Uh, could you share kind of some of your favorite local treats, perhaps the, the thing that you look forward the most to? You've just done a 40K ride, you're, you know, you're, you're exhausted, you're needing a sugar hit or, or, or you know, a, a proper meal for the end of the day. What kind of restaurants, what kind of foods would you recommend for somebody visiting Taiwan? Okay, so this th this answer comes with a disclaimer because if you thought that I went on about the cycling, uh, you've just opened a real can of worms here. Let's go for it. Um, Let's go for it. Going, going for the food. Um, the food is absolutely exceptional. So it is this fantastic blend of um, different regional Chinese food and then also Japanese influences. Again, everybody always says this about places they go to, but I is absolutely 100% the best food that I've ever had anywhere in the world it <laughs> is it. so varied so delicious um pretty healthy generally speaking um the I mean the food that you would expect to find um as a general rule of thumb there's a the you know generally the the dishes tend to be either um rice based or noodle based mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um there's a fabulous you know you get kind of um stir fry restaurants so they're called rochow which literally just means hot hot fry restaurants um where most of the dishes are, are stir fried and it's always a kind of a, a sharing style um so it's not western style where everybody has their own plate of food mm -hmm. you order that and you eat that um all of these uh, um meals are intended to be communally eaten so you'll you know you'll maybe have a, a table of eight people and you'll order 15 different dishes and everybody That's just different. tucks in. Literally, the, my mouth is watering. Meals. Unbelievable. Yeah, the, so the most famous dishes um, in Taiwan that I guess everybody should try when they're there, there's um, beef noodle soup. Of course, yeah, the famous which one. Which is, is absolutely fantastic. It's this, um, it's actually, a the soup itself is is slightly tomato-based. It's a kind of uh, beef broth with with some um, tomato flavoring in there. But a lot of spices, usually quite some quite hot Sichuan um, pepper spices in there with bits of beef that are, um, are slow cooked in, oh, the, in the juice and with sort of thick wheat noodles. Um, they actually, a lot of foreigners don't like, so you get normal beef noodle soup and then you can get um, special beef noodle soup in most of the beef noodle soup places. And the special beef noodle is actually a little bit more expensive than the normal beef. And I've ordered it for people before, and generally foreigners prefer the normal beef noodle. The special beef noodle is is what Taiwanese people really, really appreciate in the beef noodle soup, which is not the soft, succulent chunks of beef, but is the tendons of beef. Oh wow! So the kind of the uh, they're almost like cartilagey. Interesting. Um, 
they're cooked for so long in the broth that they go they they basically become like a jelly um and that's actually the bit that a lot of Taiwanese people prefer rather than the rather than the the slow cooked beef um fantastic there is luro fan which is a is is a very very simple dish you'll find it in you find it all over the country it's, it's, you'll find it in in so many different places it's a type of um braised pork belly um very slow cooked pork belly with um star anise and spices um that is then sort of ladled on top of a bowl of white rice Jesus. it sounds very simple it is very simple but it's you know particularly if if you've if you've been out for a tough ride if you're in the mountains and it's getting a bit chilly because the winter's coming in or whatever it's an incredible dish there's lots of slightly weird and wonderful things that people either love or hate um i would say that i'm one of the biggest taiwanese food aficionados that that there is anywhere in the world Excellent. i'm always promoting it to people I cannot get my head around stinky tofu. <laughs> <laughs> there is a dish called stinky tofu and it is exactly what it says on the tin. Um, yeah, they it's take... not the most appealing like phrasing, right? Already. No. Uh, what's it, what's no. it taste like or what's it smell like? Stinky, I bet. Yeah. So it's, I suppose the, the European equivalent would be kind of really strong blue cheese. Um, okay. It's, yeah, I, I, some people love it. Look, we've had, we've had clients who've come out and they can't get enough of it. Really? And right. I, I would never complain to them, but it always slightly does my head in because it means that, <laughs> you know, I, we did have, we had one client that loved it so much. They asked whether they could keep some in the van for a couple ooh, of days ooh, so that they could Lord. snack on it um, while they were, while they were cycling. And Stinky honestly, van. yeah, everything, everything smelled of this tofu. It's, well, you it's, actually it's, said yes. Oh, that's very good of you. I mean, I know the customer. Well, right, you know, you've got right, to try and keep people happy, didn't you? Wow, we, wow, we. Good on you. So, stinky van for a few days then. Um, there is juer, which you'll find in in lots of different different restaurants. It it basically looks like thin strips of pancetta that you'll see on a little dish in a lots of different Fantastic. little restaurants, but is actually pig ear, thinly sliced and cured. Um, again, absolutely delicious, but some people take a bit of getting used to. But then there's, you know, there's also, I'm sort of mentioning those because they're, they're, they're the dishes that people always find really interesting, but it's not just weird and wacky food, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's fantastic noodle dishes. You've got um, this wonderful dish that is um, wheat noodles in a, in a sort of soy and sesame sauce. Um, it's so simple, so easy to make. I make it at home a lot of the Excellent. time if I need something um, quick and easy served with a little bit of cucumber and a few pickles. Um, there's, there's, there's too many dishes in my mind. There's the <laughs> breakfast dishes, there's the dambin, there's the fan fan. I mean, honestly, the only way I think that you can really get a grip on all this stuff is you just have to go to Taiwan and you have to eat eight meals a day for a couple of weeks and then you'll have tried half of the stuff. I'm key. Let's um, do that. Eight meals a day. I mean, if you're cycling, you know, many, many hours a day, you can almost get away with eating eight meals, right? Because you're just, it's just fuel for the engine if you're doing enough exercise. Sai, it's not about getting away with it. You have to. Okay, so well, that's also to. fine. You, I will go willingly. You know, you're burning, you're going to be burning a, an extra 3,000 calories a day on the bike. Of that course, needs of course. to be replaced or else yeah. you're going to crash, right? Definitely. That, that works for me. That sounds good. 
Rob, I could, I could happily talk about Tony's uh, food all day long, but, but we should probably start turning our attentions to the future. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your plans for 2024. And indeed, you have some huge plans for 2025. Yeah, so, um, I mean, the plans for the future are more cycling in Taiwan. Um, of course, of as, course. As all plans should include. So this year has been our, our busiest year by quite a long way. It's Wonderful. great that, that people want to come back out and cycle. Um, we're hoping that 2024 will be even better. We've got some, some really big groups coming, coming out from all over the world. 2025, we're actually planning. Um, we've done a bit of work with a, a UK-based charity called Action Medical Research, mm -hmm. um, which is a children's medical research charity. Um, we're hoping to run an event in partnership with them in 2025, which will be myself, um, and a few other people, basically anybody who would like to join me. So if anybody's Excellent. listening to this podcast and thinks that they fancy a bike ride, um, the plan is to try and ride from London to Taipei. Fantastic. Um, and I, if they want details, they can go to pedaltaiwan.com, I assume? Yeah. So folks, yeah, you can go to pedaltaiwan.com for more details. Uh, Rob, I think we've probably got to start wrapping things up. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. No, not at all. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Sure. Folks, that was Rob Hodkinson, one of the founders of cycling company Pedal Taiwan. You've been listening to The Journey Podcast, where I, Cy Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in the travel industry. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you soon. Mm -hmm.